welcome back to another episode of Over the Glass. I am your host, Jay. And I'm Nessa. Today, we're just going to talk about some news happening around the hockey world. Yeah, so the EWHL, which is the European Women's Hockey League, they have come out to announce that they have formed a new players association to improve conditions for women playing in the league that spans six nations. Those six nations would be Austria, Hungary, Italy, Kazakhstan, Poland, and Slovakia. Um, This league was created back in 2004. So women's empowerment to create better conditions and um, growing the league through the interests of the players. Um, One of the players said, I strongly believe that players should have a seat at the table and avenue through which to voice concerns and influence and direction of the league growth. I hope that through this players association, we'll be able to get a better understanding of what players in the league are lacking and subsequently to advocate for the changes the players wish to see. Our initial meeting with the league management was positive and we look forward to collaborating more going forward so just to clarify players association is basically like a union for the players yeah pretty much they're trying to advocate for themselves to kind of similar to you know how we see with the nhl pa and um like the women's leagues they had the pwhpa yeah yeah so just all those organizations that that help to give players a voice so one person doesn't have to stand up and feel like they aren't going to be supported that they're all kind of coming together and and wanting to to advocate for everybody speaking of unions you you seem to know a bit about them yes (laughs) um yeah so san jose has just been kind of behind the curve with a, a lot of its neighboring cities and counties in addition, it's been a hard couple of years with the pandemic and workers just want better conditions and good wages moving forward. Um, fortunately, the city council didn't feel like they, they needed to meet us halfway and it turned into contract expiring, a month long wait while the city council went on their recess up until a couple of weeks ago, the council was educating city workers on what it means to strike our rights. And we had a week-long voting session, which really started bringing the, the city back to the table because they saw how serious we were. And the vote turnout um, was a 99% approval to walk off the job. And They went right up to the wire this past Monday where the city council struck a tentative agreement, which went to a vote the following day, which would have been the first day of the strike. And um, they got enough votes from the city council to avert this strike. Yeah, I don't know if the city didn't think we were that serious. (laughs) I was impressed that it was 99% of the people voted to strike. Like, that's how fed up people were. That's crazy. 
That's why unions are so important. But yeah, back to hockey. Um, <laughs> so the the Women's World Championship for Division One Group A is happening right now in China. So it's a six-team round-robin tournament between China, Austria, Netherlands, Norway, and Slovakia. Um, so both the winner and second place finisher will be promoted to the top level of the um, IIHF Women's World Championship, which will be happening in April 2024 in Utica, New York. I try to look at the Chinese team roster to kind of see if like maybe our very own Rachel Lannis might be there, but I like I was I I wasn't feeling very confident since obviously she's got obligations here with Barracuda. But I did see that um, her friend that was spending some time with her out here is on the roster. So I guess she made her way back out there. I did also see that one of the PHF um, players who did play alongside them, Leah Lum, back um, when they were in the Olympics, is also there. They have a goaltender, Tia Chen, um, who's actually only 18 and she's like a senior in high school and she's like their I'm I'm assuming they're starting goalie so that's crazy cool kids kid the kids coming up right now are just ridiculous um on the topic of women's sports I don't know if you were able to catch any of the women's world cup the soccer FIFA first of all US get got knocked out no <laughs> yeah you lose interest once all the teams you root for can get kicked out so spain ended up winning the world cup congratulations elena <laughs> um but I, I saw some highlights the other day uh there was a player on colombia i can't remember her name only 18 years old she she this she made like such an amazing play and and, and scored a beautiful goal and then they they say that oh yeah she's only eighteen and it's like what there's there's like these athletes are just getting better every generation it's amazing it's amazing to watch it's crazy I was definitely not doing anything at that level when I was eighteen I was trying to survive my first year of college so yeah which is a challenge in itself mm-hmm. not to dampen the congratulations to to spain but i did see that the the spanish uh, football association president kissed a player during the ceremony and when i initially saw the photo without seeing the the text i i thought i'm like oh i guess they're in a relationship i didn't know who any of these people were right i just assumed obviously because consent right like yeah and then i read the text and yeah so there's a player and the player later said after that that she did not enjoy it oh no not like on tv oh my god that's awful yeah so that that's all i know about that please do not (laughs) kiss your players on the lips like please don't do that oh man that's bad Mm. well Um, i hope uh i hope something comes from that to let him know that that is not right 
Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. But anyways, congratulations, Spain. I don't. <laughs> I guess. Mm. <laughs> Awkward. Um, back to hockey. Yeah. So the Washington Capitals and the U.S. Ball Hockey Women's National Team announced a partnership today on behalf of the Capitals. All caps. All her platform that will see the Capitals serve as the presenting sponsor of the U.S. Women's National Ball Hockey team's final evaluation camp so that will be happening on september 9th and 10th in pittsburgh pennsylvania um, prior to the world championship in june in switzerland so this partnership is with the capitals um, all caps all her platform and will host a series of off ice events and activations um, so that includes a all girls tribe ball hockey for free clinic which will be happening early October, as well as an all-girls session of the Sticks and Sneakers program with classes, which will happen in mid to late October and in the first weekend of November. Um, these clinics are open to girls age 5 through 17, and the All Caps, All Hers, Sticks and Sneakers Learn to Play program is inspired by the organization's relationship with the women's uh, national team. Um, it's designed to provide further development following participation in the Capitals Free Clinics. So I also wanted to mention that the Capitals Rising Star Academy, which is a co-ed program established to provide elite skill development and mentorship for local hockey players of color. Um, this was... One of the committee members is Juante Abercrombie, who most recently served as the Toronto Maple Leafs Coaching Development Associate during the 2022-23 season. He's a lead instructor um, with support by other individuals like Brian King, who is a ice hockey coach at a local high school as well as Fort DuPont and uh, Neil Henderson. So this two-day clinic, often ice sessions focus on dry land training, fitness, nutrition, and mental health. They also had a private chef and, and local hockey player um, who led participation in cooking demonstrations focused on healthy eating, while also a mental health discussion uh, which would feature local leaders in the field. Um, and then also they had sessions which would feature players against hate uh, curriculum, um, which is essentially increasing awareness and to stop racism and name calling by youth athletes, their teams and coaches, their families and spectators. So a lot of really great stuff that the Capitals are doing for diversity and inclusion. That's amazing. I just, I clicked on the registration link and it says there's no fee to participate. So this mm -hmm. is free of charge for, for anyone who registers. That's so cool. Good job, Capitals. I love seeing it. Love to see it. The uh, ball hockey thing reminds me a lot of what Ashley's doing over in, uh, is she in Tennessee? No, she's in North Carolina. But she did an event in Tennessee, right? Yes. And yeah. she's also, I don't know the exact details, but 
I believe the Canes reached out to her because she had a recent um, collab with them. Essentially, a lot of the same stuff with basically growing um, hockey for for girls and and as well as um, expanding on diversity. Love to see it. She's working so hard. Good for her. I love it. <laughs> and then we get to Mark's own. <laughs> Um, so Mark Stone was recently on the Pat McPhee show. I saw a a bit of a clip earlier where they were asking him about how he fractured his left wrist in the first period of game five. And, um, I didn't watch any of those games, but apparently he, he got a hat trick. It's, it's a continued discussion about, the tough guy mentality in the sport. Like I was trying to put my thoughts together earlier. And on one hand, obviously this is not something that I feel should be celebrated. Uh, and then on the other hand, I'm like, well, it's your life, I guess. I mean, like every every player at really any level, but more so at the highest level of play, there's going to be injuries. There's times where it's just your body is thing that you're employing to do your job. And as much as you try to eat right and train right, things happen. But what do you do after that thing happens is where I have a problem with it. I know Stone last season, not this, not this past one, he was out for a little bit, which probably contributed to the Knights not being able to make it into um, to the postseason because he's one of their top players. Um, but then this this past season, he underwent surgery on his back, which I think was probably lingering from what happened the season before because I know he was having like some lower body issues which kept him out of the game multiple times they kept trying to bring him back and then he'd go out there and then he'd you know like him and Pacioretty and like I'm sure there were a number of other folks that like I can't think of right now but then he ended up having surgery in in late January and like I kind of thought he wasn't gonna come back at all and then he did (laughs) and then obviously he was a, a key player in in their success throughout the postseason and then now we're now we're kind of like celebrating all that in a way because he was out for like half the half the season but he comes back and then he's like scoring all these goals for his team and he's lifting the cup and and i don't know i'm kind of tired of seeing it like this article in in yahoo sports even talked about like matthew kachuk how he came back to try and play in their final game, but he, um, the previous game, he had played through a broken sternum. And then yeah. the next day, like, he had to get his brother Brady to help him out of bed. Like, it's like, at what point do you say, I can't, I shouldn't go out there and play? This is not healthy. <laughs> and it's not even just them, it's also the entire organization like i'm i'm sure at lower levels of the game like in youth maybe in like you know junior hockey 
there's a little more of a, a authority with the coaches could be good or bad, but I'll take the the good side for a moment where they'll just be like, no, you have to sit. And maybe that kid's upset because they want to contribute and they can't really see past like the reality that if they push further, this could be the end of just anything in general for them, like sports wise. But when you get up to these pro levels, especially somebody with the caliber of, of Mark Stone, he kind of also has a say whether he's like, no, I'm going to go out there. So do whatever you need to do to get me out there. And what are, you know, the organization, you know, perhaps if they have, I doubt it, but if there's somebody who feels like this could be really bad because it was his left wrist and he, he shoots right. So that's his dominant hand. This is just, um, yeah, glorifying somebody pushing themselves to the limit and, you know, getting rewarded. They they won the games that they needed to. He's He's got his cup. Not even just that, you know. This is I feel like a lot of these dudes don't think about their careers after hockey, like what their bodies are going to be like when they're old. They're, he's already broken down. Imagine him at like 80. He's not going to be able to walk. Well, that actually reminds me. I remember there was an article that came out about Carlson before he decided to announce that he wanted to trade from the Sharks, that he met with Stone at one point before the surgery, I believe. And, uh, you know, he, he met up with him for lunch or dinner or something, and he said that he couldn't walk Stone. He couldn't walk, and, you know, like he came, he met him, they were talking, he was able to to do what he needed to do to get back into playing, and he won the cup. And from that, I feel like whatever conversation they had kind of helped Carlson decide that he wanted to a trade out of out of San Jose because he wanted his cup as well, right? But hearing that again, the story about uh, Kachuk during the finals where he couldn't he couldn't get out of bed, like he needed Brady to to dress him for the game and everything, you know, or not for the game, uh, just for the day. It's like Sometimes when you're a, a competitive, you know, all of these athletes are very competitive. You don't think about the consequences of your actions in the moment because all you're thinking about is winning these games. And like you're saying, it should be someone with authority in the organization, whether it's the coach or the owner or whoever it is. Like freaking the, the doctors on the team should put their foot down and be like, this isn't okay. You have to think about how much longer you want to play. If you want to put yourself on the line now and then retire immediately afterwards, do that, I guess. I mean, it is your life. It is your body. But I feel like a lot of these doctors specifically uh, and trainers should be like, look, if you want to have a, a long, a lengthy career, you need to like take a step back. I understand that your team is in the finals. You're going for the cup. But like, if you want to keep playing this game longer, sit down and like rest and give yourself the time for your body to recuperate uh, this this doesn't seem like it's this isn't a good thing I, I i also feel the same like this is not something we should be celebrating yeah he won the cup whoop do you do like so what <laughs> like i understand this is what they play for but what does it actually mean in life like what value does it give you in your life if you're not going to be able to walk when you're 50 years old yeah, like I agree with what you're saying. And then I can also see how that's unfortunately 
like not going to happen because the trainer and the doctor would be stepping apart from the, the mindset of the organization. And I would hope that in a healthy environment that those doctors and trainers who are the experts in their field would be heard and would be taken seriously by, you know, if they were to say, Hey, it's my recommendation that someone sit out and things like that. But the reality is I, even if they were to say that, I, I, I don't know. I just think everybody gets into a collective mindset where you're like, I mean, they're in the finals, you know, it's like everything that they've kind of worked hard for, for, for many years and, and stuff. So I just, I don't know what, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the solution would, would be outside of the reality that like we put a lot of stock into this at the professional level, like the end goal is to win. And like when we talk a lot about hockey culture, this is kind of like this sort of mentality is like drilled into like, I want to say hockey across the board. I, I, I want to say also more so on, on the men's side because of just the, just with how much of a spotlight there is like, I mean, in comparison to other sports, it's not, but within, within the hockey world, like the NHL is the top tier. Like you can even look at like the European hockey, like there's, they don't, they don't check as hard. They don't get into fights and things like that. And then when they have to come over to North America, it's like, now they've got to add that grit that like, like, I guess, but they could just continue to play their game and maybe we shouldn't put so much emphasis on, on those other things that really just lead to more injuries. Um, that reminds me Quebec major junior hockey league recently came out and finalized their, their ban on fighting. I don't remember what the, um, if you were to get in a fight, like the consequences um, would lead to like one game suspension, I think is for an instigator. Um, and then there's like a two game suspension for somebody who's like more of the aggressor in, in the fight. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Like it would be nice if that's something that major junior does across the board. And maybe that's something that, has us pulling away from, from this need to, to be so, so tough and, um, so aggressive yeah. in a, in an unhealthy way in, in this sport. Hockey needs to do better, but we already knew that. <laughs> so I just wanted to point out, um, in Sharks news, because we are still Sharks fans, the Sharks made some quiet hockey operation hires. Was I saw this one article floating around on Twitter. I'm still going to call it Twitter. I don't care. <laughs> the other day. Uh, and the Sharks never announced it on their official uh, socials or anything. So I don't know. I don't know how that works. But 
Uh, Mike Greer announced that he's hired five different individuals to add to their hockey operations department with a couple of notable names on the list. Uh, Jack Anderson, he was hired to be the team strength and conditioning coach. Jaron Burke as a Canadian scout. Igor Aronko as a Russian scout, as well as Thomas Vanek, um, who I believe played as a forward. He's going to be a new, uh, an amateur scout. And then former goaltender Ryan Miller, which I thought was interesting, is going to be a goalie scout, as well as uh, he's going to help with goalie development, uh, working alongside Nabokov. Um, for those of you who don't know, Ryan Miller did play for the Canucks and the Ducks for a while. Uh, I think he, he was drafted by the Sabres. Yeah, he played for the Sabres. Um, so did Bannock. No, he played. No, wait. During his time. Away. Yeah, he did. He also played for the Sabres. Um, and he retired pretty recently, uh, three years ago, with the Red Wings, which I don't. I didn't really hear about him. But apparently he was drafted pretty, pretty high, fifth overall in 2003. So these guys sound like they know what they're doing, but um, Vanek and Miller specifically have never had any off-ice coaching experience or anything like that. So it's going to be something new, something to watch out for if any any difference. If, oh my gosh, if there's any difference in the way that the, the players play or develop, I suppose. Um, yeah, just interesting. Yeah, I guess we won't really see the the fruits of labor with a number of them because they're scouts. So that'll be something to, to look out for, for the, uh, the seasons ahead as we continue to rebuild this team and hopefully get back into some kind of playoff contention in the next five years. Yeah. (laughs) That's what we're hoping for. Uh, oh yeah and then next weekend is the silicon valley pride parade i will be there so if anyone in the area wants to uh say hi i'll be around just uh hit me up dm i don't know we'll figure it out so i think that's what we have for this week um thanks for listening bye